Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. So the title of our message is Kingdom Culture. Kingdom Culture, we've been talking about this for a little bit. And uh, so we're excited about what God's doing through Kingdom Culture. We, here at the Rhodes Church, we get excited about the Bible because we believe it's the one place where we can get absolute truth in our life. So every time we open it, we get a little bit stoked. So if you've got your Bibles, come on, let's get them out. Open them up to Matthew chapter 13. Woo! Matthew 13. In Matthew chapter 13, there are seven parables about the kingdom of heaven. We're not going to talk about all seven of them today. That would be a lot. But I want to jump in and read verse 10 and 11. It says, And the disciples came and said to him, being Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know. Hear this part. It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. How many people's ever heard someone tell them, well, you never know what God wants to do? Well, Jesus said, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Are there mysteries? Absolutely. Are there some things that we don't know? Absolutely. But Jesus said, I'm not trying to hide things from you. I'm trying to get things to you. I'm trying to reveal things to you. So there's some things that are above our ways. There's some thoughts that are above our thoughts. But we need to raise our thinking to his level of thinking. And all of a sudden, we'll start to catch on to some things that we didn't know before. Only by dependence on him. So the kingdom of heaven, he said, there's kingdom of heaven, what does that mean? Anytime you read the phrase kingdom of heaven in the Bible, I growing up, I just thought it was talking about the geographical place of heaven. And then as I studied, I began to understand that's not just what it means. It does mean heaven, but here's what it means in practical terms, definitions there for you. The foundational principle component of heaven, the system or culture of heaven. Again, your sermon notes, they've got them there. Please take notes. Sermon uh, note takers are world changers. So we encourage you to take, a, take, a, take notes. Sorry, tried to get that out of the way and it didn't go so well. I was going to be subtle and now I've got to be really obvious. Sorry. <laughs> That worked out well. So uh, what was I talking about? Yeah, sermon notes, taking notes, take notes. Because I want you to get it. We're, we're here to not uh, create fans. We're here to create disciples. We don't want you to come to church and go, wow, that guy's good. No, no, we want you to come and go, wow, he's king, he's savior, he's Lord, and become a disciple, a follower. There's a difference in being a disciple of Jesus and a church attender. A lot, a lot, a lot of church attenders that will never be a disciple. You're like, oh, that's harsh. I'm just saying we've got to be honest because we painted a picture around people that they thought coming to church was what it's about. It's not about coming to church. It's about becoming a follower of Jesus. It's about climbing up on your own cross and crucifying your flesh and saying, I die to myself and I live for Jesus. So we've got to make that clear in these end times because we've got a, a, a mindset where we're trying to make it a little bit too soft, and we got to give the gospel. So we're creating a culture, and let me just jump into this. i I got, I got some other things I was going to say about it. Matthew chapter 13, look at verse, let's go back to verse 3. God bless you. Then he spoke many things to them in parables. I just like to interact with my people. Spoke many things to them in parables, saying, like, nobody else is going to sneeze like the rest of the service. Uh, be, <laughs> stay focused, Chad. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a sower? Are you a sower? 
Behold, a sower went out to sow. What does it mean to sow? It's not needle and thread. It's not what we're talking about. That word sow means to place or scatter seeds in the ground for what kind of growth? For Okay, so to place or scatter seeds in the ground for, one more time, what kind of growth? Future growth. Future means doing something now that you will not see the benefit of until later. Here's, remember this parable is about the kingdom of heaven or the system of heaven. This is how the system of heaven works. It works by the concept that we sow seed now for something we will benefit from later. We're seed sowers. But it's hard for us because we live in a society where we want immediate ROI, immediate return on our investment. But that's not the way it works in the kingdom. If I want to change something, I sow seed into it now so I will benefit from it later. But we want to sow now and reap now. That's just not how it works in the kingdom of heaven. He said, this is a system. You might as well get used to it. This whole parable is explaining to us how the system of heaven works, how we can apply it into our life, and how we can produce fruit in our life. We cannot produce fruit in our life unless we understand the concept of sowing and reaping. This is what it's about. Uh, So let's go on. This phrase is really good. The kingdom of heaven is not a kingdom, a system, or culture driven by need, but rather it is a kingdom, a system, or culture that is driven by seed. One of the biggest points that revolutioned my life as a believer, because I grew up being taught that the kingdom of heaven operated on need, that if I needed it, God would give it to me. If it didn't come, evidently I didn't need it. So it was an entitlement type of deal. It was like, if I need it, God will give it to me. But the kingdom of heaven, the system of heaven, is not a culture or a system built on need. It's a system or culture built on seed. So it's whosoever. There's no discrimination. Anybody and everyone can sow seed into what God wants to do in their life. So if you're waiting on something to happen just because you need it, you're getting wrong teaching. And I say that with boldness because... I think it's important for us to understand people use this scripture. Well, God knows what I have need of before I ask. Absolutely, that's scriptural. Just because he knows what I have need of doesn't mean he's going to meet that need because I need it. God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. That tells me how or where from, from his riches and glory, but it does not mean I don't have to ask, seek, and sow. I'm just just wanting to help you. This whole message isn't on that, but I'm just the principle. All right, let me jump down. Verse 4 talks about some seed fell by the wayside. We already talked about that. Listen to the previous message. Birds came and devoured it. It's horrible. It's a terrible situation. Verse 5, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. The heat came on. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root They withered away. Already talked about that. That was really good. No root in yourself. You will not produce. We're not talking about that though. Verse 7. Verse 7. And some fell, some seed fell among thorns. Everybody say thorns. Thorns. And the thorns sprang up and choked them. Today we're going to talk about thorny ground. We're going to talk about a lot faster. Thorny ground. What are thorns? When the Bible talks about thorns right here, it's just describing a thorny plant A worthless weed, worthless weed, something unpleasant to be avoided. 
Thorny plants represent desolate, bad areas, painful, irritating. Whenever you talk about thorns, it's always bad, irritating. Nobody says, hey, let's go play in the thorns. Anybody just want to roll around in the thorns? Nobody does that. You know, I remember when I was growing up, we used to play in the woods and You'd be running through the brush, you're playing war or whatever, you know, BB gun fight, don't do that, but you know, they did that back in the day. They're dumb kids, dumb kids. But anyway, you have these wars and <laughs> I had to throw out some disclaimers, be like, well, hey, BB, no. So anyway, use a stick, yeah, aim with a, move on. So you're running through there, the point is you run through and you're trying to run as fast as you can, all of a sudden, <laughs> you run right into some briar patch, right into some thorns and just rip the jeans right across there to scrape your legs, painful. Nobody ever says, hey, I love to hang out with some thorns. But look what happens. He said, some seed fell among thorns. Everybody say among. This jumped out at me. Some seed fell among thorns. Here's what that word means, among. It means a position within an area determined by, this is powerful, determined by other objects and distributed among them. So it's a position within an area where it's determined by other objects or controlled by or dominated. So think of a thorny area as an area that the seed's coming into it, but that area is dominated by. Among it means there's so many other things that they actually control or dominate that area. The thorns control that area. It's, it's overpowering that area. And that's what it says. The seed fell among the thorns. So the seed was not the problem. The problem was what the seed fell among. The seed's good. Seed's powerful. Seed's the word of God. But when it's sown among in an area that's dominated by other things, that's when it begins to choke it out. The problem is the dominant presence of other things. Objects. We make an attempt to sow something different. We want to make a change. We want to make a, th- a change in our thought life and our habits. We want to do it, but we're sowing that word among an area that's already dominated by other places, and we forget to clear out some of that other junk so that the seed of God can grow. Yes. Come to church, and I want to hear a good word. I want to change. It's going to be good, man, but I keep sowing it among an area that's dominated by other habits and thoughts until I clear that out. My dad used to. Uh, have an excavating business, and one of the things you used to do is clear brush. What does clear brush mean? You go into a wooded area and you just take the, take the bucket and just begin to scrape out all that brush and clear that out, and you begin to reseed it with grass. Because you got all that brush out of the way, now there's room for that good stuff to grow up. And this is the problem. We got too much trash and brush in our thoughts, in our habits, in our life, we got to clear some of that out and stop hanging around certain people, start break, uh, stop hanging around certain habits and let the good stuff begin to grow in our life. Don't get me twisted that I'm thinking about if you stop bad habits like earning salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're already born again by grace through faith. But I'm talking about when I'm trying to change habits and change my life. If I keep sowing it in an area that's dominated by other things, I've got to get rid of the things that are dominating and let the Word of God dominate. I'll I'll illustrate that here in just a moment. So what happens if we don't clear them out? If we don't clear them out, they spring up. The Bible says the the thorns sprang up and choked them. Sprang up. The word sprang up just means to grow, to, to naturally increase. So I'm going to give you three things about springing up. If we don't clear things out. If we don't go to God and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to clear out brush, I believe there's going to be a brush fire today and by the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's three things I want to give you. 
What we allow in our life will grow in our life. What I allow in my life, what habits, what thoughts, what feelings, it will grow. As long as I allow how I feel about this or that, it will continue to grow. Let me give you number two. I could talk a lot about each point, but I just want to go through these. Number two, when we justify what we justify the presence of, we will not get freedom from. What we justify the presence of, we will never get freedom from. Well, I wouldn't be this way if it wasn't for the... I'm only doing this because they... As long as I justify my stinking attitude, I will never get free from that attitude. Well, this happened to me. It could be something bad. It could be something horrible that outside of our control. But as long as I justify the way I am, I will never get free from it. At some point, I have to say, it's not them, it's me. I'm not giving power to them to control my life. I'm taking ownership and saying, my attitude can change by the power of God. I can change. I can change through Christ, through the power of God. I'm not waiting for other people to give me permission. I am waiting on the power of God to set me free. But as long as I justify it and say, well, you know, I have a right to feel this way. I have a right to, what I justify, I will keep. All right, you get the point. Let me do the third one. We cannot experience liberty where we embrace a lie. Wherever I embrace a lie, I will never experience liberty. So God wants us to be free from some of this, some of these thorns in our life. They, they, they sprang up and they did what to the word? They choked them. They began to choke the seed. What does it mean to choke? The word choke means to crowd something out, to overwhelm it, to overshadow it, to inhibit its action, function, or development. So the application in the Bible is what it's talking about is to cause the death of the word, cause the death of the word, through other things, crowding them out, overwhelming them, overshadowing them, and inhibiting the action, function, development of the word. Let me give, illustrate what it means to choke something out by something else overwhelming it. There's 24 hours in a day. Let's say if we're blessed, we get seven hours of sleep. Some of my kids get a lot more. But anyway, seven hours of sleep. So that means 17 waking hours of the day. That's 1,020 minutes. If we give, a, do a devotional for a day, and that's our God time. This is for the real spiritual people that actually do a devotion their time every day. And give God 15 minutes of our day to start out the day. Out of 1,020, that's 1.5% of your waking hours. That means 98.5% is other things. That's an example of choking out. I'm trying to sow good into my life in 15 minutes into an area that is 98.5% dominated by everything else. Just, to, just trying to break it down in practical terms. Let me do it in a week. <coughs> Excuse me. In a week, there's 7,140 waking minutes. Come to church, in our services, roughly 90 minutes long. 90 minutes, that's if you come every Sunday. Like four out of a month. 
and stay for the whole 90 minutes. That's 1.3% of your week. 98.7% of your week is other things. Now, can you read your Bible and have God time? Yes, yes, yes. I'm just saying, trying to give you an example. We try and make change into areas that are dominated by other things and wonder why I'm struggling when I'm giving him 1.3% of my week and 98.7% of my week is dominated by other things. It's what happens with the thorns. They crowd us out. So let me give you three categories of these thorns. How do we, how do we clear out these thorns? Go to Mark chapter 4. I want to give you three categories. There's only two in Matthew chapter 13, so I want to pick up a third one in Mark's example of the gospel. Mark chapter 4. All right, look at verse 18. The same parable just in Mark's version of the story. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. So they hear the word. They've heard the word. It's good. They got, they're in church. They've heard the word. They've got their devotional. They've heard the word. But then something happens. Three, thing, three categories of things can happen. Number one, the cares of this world. Number two, the deceitfulness of riches. And number three, the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So here's what God's trying to teach us. Why am I not seeing results in my life? This is what I'm asking God in different areas. I'm saying, God, why am I not seeing uh, results in certain areas of my life? And he said, you got some thorns that are choking you out. Like, I know, Lord, I know what the people do, but I'm talking about me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm like, yeah, I got thorns. <laughs> some of you are like, what? Like I, he's saying, you got thorns that are choking you out. I'm like, well, what are they? He said, well, they're in, in these three categories. And he's beginning to show me what they are. You got your own issues. Don't look into my private life. <laughs> look at <verse. laughs> Cares of this world. Number one, the first category, cares of this world. What does that mean? This is going to be the Reader's Digest version. Some of you are like, what is Reader's Digest? <laughs> cares of this world. Cares means concerns, anxieties, fears, nervousness, any of that. Of this world, of this world, like Jesus of Nazareth. So cares of this world means cares, nervousness, anxiousness, fears, all of these things that come from the world. So the things that will choke the word in our life is when we have an overgrown amount of cares, nervousness, and fears that come from the world. So when I'm feeling something, when I'm, my thoughts are overwhelmed with something, I need to analyze and ask myself, where do these anxieties and cares and nervousness, where does it come from? If it comes from what's going on in the world, it's not of the word. We get choked out because the cares of the world are overgrown so much when I try to believe God in a situation, there's so much fear and anxiety that's coming from the world, it's choking us out. I want to make a change, but I'm just afraid of what's going on politically and socially and financially in the health world. I can't believe God because I'm choked. <coughs> because fears that come from the world system God's saying we have to have more cares that come from the kingdom and less cares that come from the world. 
cares of the world. That's the short version. Man, there's a lot we can say on that. So we got to get rid of the cares of this world. They'll choke us out. Number two, deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. Now, when I say this, I want to touch on this. This has been spoken about incorrectly. Incorrectly? Incorrectly. Jesus, help me right now. Incorrectly. Deceitfulness of riches. What does the word riches mean? In the, in the original language, here's what it means. Wealth, money, possessions. Yes, we may have gotten that one. But it comes from the root word to fill, furnish, or fulfill. Fill, furnish, or fulfill. Wealth, money, and possessions. The deceitfulness means to dilute or delusion, to cheat, deceive, or cause to have misleading or erroneous views about the truth. Put them together. Here's what deceitfulness of riches means. The delusion or deception that wealth, money, or possessions will fulfill us or furnish, or furnish us with everything we need. It's not that riches are evil. Riches are neutral. The problem in churches, they come out and they begin bashing riches like money is evil. Money is not evil. It is neutral. The love of money is the root of all evil. Why is it the root of all evil? It's not the root of all evil because money itself is bad. The root of all evil is because the, the love of money says that money is my source instead of God. And the deceitfulness of riches is that all I need is more possessions or wealth and I can provide and fill all the voids and fulfill all my needs with what I can earn myself. That's deceitful. Why is it deceitful? Not because money's bad, because money is limited. Money's limited. How many of you could go across the history of your life, if you've not lived very long, then this... Illustration won't work for you. <laughs> How many can remember a time when you thought that if you could make $10 an hour, you would be loaded? Or you got out of that, then it became $15 an hour, then it became $20. I remember I graduated from college, and my starting salary right out of college was $28,000. I thought, what am I going to do with all this money? <laughs> For real. I seriously had that thought. I'm like, man. 28 grand. And then I, because I, uh, I've always worked in accounting, so I'm involved in finances and payroll and stuff like that. And I found out a coworker made $46,000. Immediately, my 28000 was not so good. I went from thinking this to thinking I want that. I had the same amount of needs. See what I'm saying? There's a deceitfulness to riches. Because it doesn't matter whatever your number is, it will never fulfill every void that you have in your life. It will never fill it. This is why people that are multimillionaires, even billionaires, committing suicide and going through great problems, you're like, well, I'd like to have some of those problems. You can, but because I'll tell you this, the enemy will challenge you in two areas. Number one, he will challenge you with lack, and then number two, he will challenge you with abundance. Because the deceitfulness of riches is, I don't need God, I can provide all my needs according to what I have. And I'm telling you, there's something more because God has no limits. 
The thing is not to say money's bad. No, that's tired. That doesn't work. What it is to say God is bigger. God is king. And if I will put him in charge, then he can provide way beyond. Now I'm not dreaming based on my resources. I'm dreaming based on heaven's resources. And so what he tells me to do, if I look at my checkbook or my checking account, and I'm like, well, God's telling me to do that. But there's no way because I'm looking at the deceitfulness of riches. You think it's easy for us to think deceitful and riches doesn't work for us because we're not rich. I'm telling you, deceitfulness of riches can come at $10 an hour. Because you can think that I'm limited to what I can provide. But God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. I just got to hear from him. Third one. Let me get to that. Uh, skip, 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 skip. Third one, deceitfulness of riches. Lastly, the desire and the desire for other things. The word desire means a deep longing or craving. A self-indulgent craving. What can choke the word in our life? It says the desire for what kind of things? Just other things. Is that very specific, other things? Other things includes everything but the other things includes everything but the you got the right one baby here's the list Psalm 27 verse 4 one thing I have desired how many things come on how many things <laughs> one more time how many things one thing I have desired of the Lord that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. But when the desire for other things, anything other than the one thing, when they begin to enter in, it says they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Here's what happens, the thorns. Here's how the thorns work in our life. God's wanting to clear some brush today. Three categories, cares of this world. There are always going to be cares of the world. Here's the key of this parable. Come on, listen to me very carefully. Cares of this world are always going to be there. We can't get rid of them. They're there. If you think you're going to get rid of them, you're fooling yourself. So just forget about it. Cares of this world, they're always going to be there. Deceitfulness of riches, it's always going to be around. Money is going to be a factor in our life. It is a, it's a part of our life. The desire for other things, they're going to be there. I've got, I've got desires to do other things other than just pray and read my Bible all the time. There's other things I like to do. I don't want to do it independent of God, but there are other things that we can enjoy in life. But the problem is when they enter in, they enter in, and here's the part where God said, Chad, your problem is when the cares of this world that are around you stop from being around you and they get in you. I can't stop them being cares in the world. Man, there's stuff going on that just freaks me out sometimes in the world. I listen and I watch and I'm like, wow, people, what, what's going on? Wow, okay, oh, should I talk about that? No, yes, I'd like to, no, cares of this world. But he said, when they get in you, so the only thing that's supposed to get in me is the word. And if the word will get in me, the cares of this world will stay without me. 
If the word will get in me, the deceitfulness of riches will stay without me. If the cares, if the seed of the word gets in me, the desire for other things will stay without me. God's saying what you let in you is what you will produce out of you. So when I allow the cares of the world to get in me, I'm wondering why I'm producing that in stress and anxiety in my life. When I'm allowing the deceitfulness of riches to get in me, then now it's why I'm producing greed and I'm never satisfied and I can't have enough and I got problems with my spending and I don't know how to control my budget and all this is going on. Or when I allow the desire for other things to get in me, I wonder why I'm dissatisfied at church and, and I don't really want to come and I, I don't really want to worship. I don't want to pray and I don't want to read my Bible, but I'll sit there and look at Instagram for hours upon hours. There's a desire for other things begin to choke the word we can want to make changes the desire for God is not the problem the seeds going in but man there's other things thank you for listening to this week's message if you enjoy this podcast and would like to give please visit us at the roads.church to stay connected follow us on Facebook and Instagram You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.